Hello, hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of Analytical Fanboys. I am, of course, a boy who is analytical. My name is Simeon the Vacuuminator Scott, and I am joined as always by an analytical who is a boy. It's Boingo Chris Gaston Ryder. Hi, I'm just sitting here spinning my leak. Nice, nice. Well, uh, as you can probably guess by the title and the release image and the music we used at the start and all the normal telltale bullshit we do on this show, we're talking about... It's always a for a YouTube show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're talking about Bleach this week. Uh, no, not my favorite thing to drink. The anime. Uh, um, and I'm sure there's probably a few of you who listen to this podcast regularly and don't know what Bleach is. So just to give a quick explanation... Bleach is an anime from Japan. It came out in the 2000s and is all about two things. Swords and skeletons. Now, just for that information, you can probably tell that it's the greatest work of Japanese animation ever created. And you are right for that. When Hayao Miyazaki goes to his grave, his last words are expected to be, Kubo was right. (laughs) I can't tell if you're just memeing or or if you genuinely enjoyed it. I'm I'm just memeing. I, I that's that's the opening to Endless Chess's video on Bleach. Oh, I just really oh. wanted to do that because I love that video. Oh, but I didn't dislike this. I would. So my general impression of it is going to come off as negative, but I did like I like things about it. The thing is, like I think this is a very basic bitch entry-level anime, and I don't think that's a very original opinion to have, but that's the impression I got. It's just like, oh yeah, this is probably what Naruto would come off like to somebody who didn't grow up with Naruto like I did. It's fine. I mean, this came out the same time as Naruto. Yeah, it's fine. It's got some dumb weird shit in it. It's got some cool 2000s try-hard shit in it. And it's got some girls who I may may or may not want to look lewd images up for. Of course. Yeah. You know, it's just, it, it, it is an anime. Is it Orihime or Rukia? Rukia. Nobody cares about Orihime. She's just, just there for guys who just discovered that tits are a thing. <laughs> uh, but let's, let, let's actually give a description of Bleach. Okay, go ahead. That's you're the, you're the one who put this on the list. Go ahead. Bleach is a shonen series uh, starring Ichigo Kurosaki as he's basically thrust into the world of basically being a Grim Reaper. But a Japanese Grim Reaper. So instead of a scythe, he has a katana. But it's because yeah. it's anime. It's not a normal katana. It's a big fuck-off katana. Penis joke here. Mm-hmm. Um, and we watched the first arc which is basically, the best way to put it is the Monster of the Week arc right before shit gets real. Yeah, it is the episodic arc that lets you get to know the character. It's the first 13 episodes of a Common Rider show. Yeah. It, 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 that's what it is, because, oh no, Monster appears. Oh, we gotta figure out what's going on, and then you solve it. And slowly through it, you start, lore starts being dropped on you. We war with quotes. We build up the cast. Uh, we meet some cool Skelly Bros. Uh, we uh, we slowly build up the fact that 
the two main characters probably want to fuck each other, but I'm told they don't, which is meh. Uh, if I might, do you care if I spoil anything of the series that you probably will never touch again? I will, dude. I will definitely never touch this again. <laughs> okay. Um, Ichigo gets with Orohime at the end of the story. Rukia ends up marrying um, uh, Renji, the guy with the tattoos and Vegeta haircut. Well, Orohime is kind of the Hinata of the series, so I can understand that. Um, don't like. Here's the thing: we've only watched twenty episodes of three hundred and sixty-six, so I've watched a ton more of this anime, and I real and I know. In general, or just this time around? Um, in general, I have got Jesus. I was gonna say, is that all you did this week? Did you just watch this? No, 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 no. I've watched. Hey, hey, save save that for the end of the podcast. No, I'm talking about Elf Bleach. Oh, okay, okay. I'm looking. I'm trying to figure out about where I watched too because. The first arc is the Agent of Shinigami arc because that's the Japanese word that they use, and we just use Grim Reaper because it's an easier thing to say in English. Mm-hmm. Because we're stupid um, Americans. Soul, Soul Society arc, uh, Soul Society arc part two. I will say uh, the name Soul Society is one of the coolest Japanese things I've heard in a while. Like, here's um, the thing: everything about the show, like, yeah, the plot is basic bitch. But the aesthetic, though. I wouldn't even say so much the aesthetic as as much as, like, auxiliary things to it. Like, there's some cool terminology here and there. I I really like the music just because it reminded me of certain things here and there. Um, and there's, there's certain directorial decisions that just really brought me back to the early 2000s. Like... How occasionally there will be like this wavy TV static that's not TV static when they're trying to get across the fact that something is creepy. Yeah. By the way, I've checked. I've watched up to the Iran car stuff. So, what episode is that? That's around 150, uh, 132 to 150, around that kind of area. Mm hmm. Yeah, well, the Iran cars are basically hollow versions of like soul of uh, soul reapers. Okay, and see, like, so they're like, yeah, that's just that's hilarious for me to hear because I am, I I could never tell you how many episodes of Naruto I've watched because I didn't really engage with Naruto in any kind of sane way. I would just check in on it from time to time and I would watch like chunks of arcs, but not whole arcs. And I kind of just absorbed the story through osmosis of the internet and other kids my age who knew about it. Oh yeah. That's kind of how I got a lot of the later bleach stuff. Cause mm-hmm. like I say, I got up to a wrong car and I kind of just fell off. Um, and because... like I still do that. Like when the when the weekly Borto anime started, I watched the first three episodes of that, and I was like, "This is pretty good." I'm not going to touch it anymore. I'm just going to look at fan art on Instagram. This is pretty good. <laughs> yeah, but then you can always go back to Boruto's dad and rewatch it and get all the fuzzy memories. <laughs> yes. 
Um, but I've always, I've always had this idea in my head that one day I would binge read the entire Naruto manga. But then a friend of mine did it really recently, and he's like, yeah, there's so much shit in that that makes no logical sense, whatever, even within that universe. And I'm like, well, maybe I won't. Yeah. That, that tends to be a problem unless you're Oda, a very long shonen. Mm-hmm. Because Oda's the only one who can, like, who goes like, no, that weird detail back there, no, it makes total sense. Here's a whole storyline explaining it. It's like, what the fuck, dude? From what I hear, One Piece is insane. It is insane. Like, there's an entire character who dresses like a baby because, like, his family was murdered for some reason. I can't remember the whole thing, but it's like, what the fuck? It makes total sense, and it brings this weird gag character from the background and just makes him, like, sympathetic? Also, there's an entire group of super-powered people who are furries in that universe, so... No, I mean, what are you gonna do? Yep. But Bleach! We follow the story of uh, Ichigo as he's fighting... Ichigo is such a fucking samurai-ass name. <laughs> what do you think of the guy, though? The character? Uh, he looks... They keep saying that he's 15. He looks 25 to me. <laughs> like, all his other classmates I can kind of buy as teenagers. He looks like really? a 25-year-old dipshit who works at Aldi's. I'm going to bring something up. And I'm going to bring that up when we talk about another character. I know. But, who you're, uh, I think I know who you're going to bring up. And I, I have a thing about that. Because <laughs> he, he's kind of the best boy. Oh, yeah. Um, no, I agree. Um, I but, agree. <laughs> uh, as a character, he's all right. He is pretty standard anime protagonist in that, like... Or shonen protagonist, I should say, because anime is not a genre, it is a medium. Um, he, like, it's hard, it was really hard for me for most of the arc to get a, a real handle on his character because of the shonen thing of, like, we're in a comedy scene, we're in a serious scene, we're in an everyday bullshit scene. And characters kind of just changing on a dime to fit that. But by the time you get to the episode where there's the monster that killed his mom. And they're going to visit his mom's grave. That was like, okay, I kind of get what this guy's about now. And he is an okay main character. I don't think he's real great or real special. But he, he serves his purpose nicely as the main focal point of this story. Yeah, I mean that's kind of it's he, he's a good blank ground to build stuff on. Mm-hmm. Um but he's fighting monsters with the help of Rukia. Kuchi, uh, Ku, God damn it. Fuck it. Kuchi Ko which no, I always Kuchiki. Kuchiki, yeah, that's right. Kuchiki. Which I always chuckle at just because it sounds like a rude word for a part of the female anatomy. Because I am apparently a 15-year-old. Mm. But she was a Soul Reaper, gave her powers to Ichigo because they were having to fight a thing. And now she doesn't have powers, and she basically just bosses him around and says, Yo, go fight the thing. 
She's his fucking nov. No, she's not Navi. She is fucking Mr. Belt from Common Rider Drive. I mean, especially in the earlier episodes where she's the one who had to turn him into a Grim Reaper. Mm-hmm. And she's got, like, an interesting backstory and shit that we don't fully even know about by the end of this arc. And she's, uh... She's kind of... She kind of gets all the best comedy relief. Like, there's a there's a ton of comedy relief in this care in this show, and a good bit of it I did not care for. But for some reason, whenever they would do the her drawing like a five year old thing, I just love that. I'm like, yeah, there's there's no wonder that this character is a waifu to thousands of people, and there's shit tons of not appropriate for children fan art of her. It's because she can she can do the whole thing of being the the badass mentor, but also she's super cute and she she's kind of a goofball when it comes to certain things. Oh yeah, she's it's fucking great. Uh, and because here's the thing: the first three arcs of Bleach are like some of the best goddamn shonen storytelling ever. It's simple story shown in storytelling, but it's really well executed. Yeah, it's pretty good. Okay. And basically she plays Princess Peach for the next two arcs, but you have a Ooh. lot of interaction. No, no, no. It's better than that. She's basically waiting to die because she goes like, yeah, no, if I die, everybody I care about is safe. It's very much that kind of mentality with her. Hmm. But people come and you get a lot of flashbacks and you learn a lot of things. Like she had, uh, because it's anime, she had a senpai uh, who was basically a carbon copy of Ichigo. That's why she kind of took a quick liking to him. Uh, uh, Yeah, that makes sense because there was like one line in one of the final episodes I watched where some guy was like, you just like this guy because he reminds you of him, don't you? Yep, uh, so there's that. Also, because you don't give a shit, and people who are listening who may or may not give a shit, like, spoiler, I guess, like, if I remember right, Ichigo's dad is a soul reaper, but he gave up his power so he could have a normal family on Earth. Oh. Oh, that hurts my brain. That hurts my brain a lot. But that explained his dad for most of the show. I found him super annoying up until the aforementioned episode where they go to visit his mom's grave. The final yeah. scene, the final scene where he gives, uh, where he's talking to Ichigo about like trying to, you need to chill out. It wasn't your fault. And that that scene, I literally stood up out of my chair and I went, "Why isn't that just his whole character?" It is. It's just he's also a goofball. God damn it, Japan. Because something you will realize with any very powerful soul reaper from the Soul Society is they're a bunny-eared lawyer. You know that trope? I do not. Basically, that they are really, really, really good at their job, but they have some weird eccentricity that makes it so you don't want to fucking deal with them. Like oh. a lawyer who wears bunny ears. 
Oh, I I have encountered that trope plenty of times in Super Sentai. Like that's most Super exactly. Sentai commanders. Um, case in point, uh, Jarumpo from Uchu Sentai Q Ranger, who is a dragon alien dude who's been alive for thousands of years, gathering these magical artifacts to form a rebellion against the space empire, and he has this really awesome backstory where the supreme commander in the empire didn't want him to go be a cool guy he was like nah i i made my own morpher i'm gonna become a ranger and then his fucking senpai commander guy sacrificed himself and so he could live and then years later when he had to whip out his powers to beat some generals for the good guys he almost killed himself again but then all the rangers were like no we believe in you there can be more than just the 12 of us because there were 12 rangers in that fucking show um and so he magically got his powers granted to him and then he was like a real badass for a few episodes but also at the same time whenever he's not being a ranger he's literally like this goofy old grandpa who makes all these ball and sphere related puns and shouts random phrases in english like hello everybody how you doing god damn it yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, um also, again, spoilers. We're just spoiling this whole thing, so don't give a shit or don't watch. Yeah. Um, I'm expecting most people listening to this either just listen to all of our podcasts and thusly don't give a shit, or have seen early bleach and are nostalgic for it, and that's why they clicked on this. Well, I'm kinda also like going into the like later stuff and going, yeah, no. There's a reason why people shit on Bleach. It's because of this shit. Because, okay. like, you can agree that this was a pretty solid show. It was alright. Yeah, it was, it was... It may not be it may not be a 10, but it's not a 5. I'd say it's, like, a, a light 7 to a strong 6. Yeah, Anthony Fantano. Mm. Um, but... Like, okay, you remember what the other guy was? Uh, Uryu? A Quincy? Yeah, that fucking dickhead. Yeah. Don't worry, he gets better. I expect so. I, okay, so this is a thing I had all throughout this show, and I'm going to sidetrack you for a minute to talk about this, is voice actors that I know from other things, because I noticed that <laughs> a lot in this, because... Obviously, there's Ichigo, who's played by Johnny Young Bosch, who's Adam, the second ever Black Power Ranger, but he was an Asian dude, so it was okay. Um, but then there's this guy, who is fucking Ken from Digimon Zero Two. Oh and my I god, and he looks like Ken too. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh my god, does this guy get typecast as glasses, short black hair, or dressy, uptight dudes? That's awesome. But uh, Uryu Ishida is a Quincy, which is basically a, a race of people who can uh, summon magic white bow and arrows. Mm -hmm. um, and they can kill hollows. But here's the thing. Soul Reapers don't like them because when they kill a hollow, they don't go back in the cycle like they're supposed to. They just get destroyed permanently. So... So they, they make you super dead. 
Yeah, so they killed all the Quincy's, and he's the only one technically alive, I think, at this point in time that we know of. Yeah, because his senpai was the last survivor. No, his grandfather. Of... Oh, his gra- Okay, I thought he called him senpai at least once. Whatever. Sensei. His... Sensei. Fucking Japan. There's he, he was the last survivor of the Purge, and he trained... Uh... I've already forgotten his name. Uryu. Uryu. He trained Uryu. There, I said it. Yeah, yeah, he did. Um, uptight, asshole kind of character. His first appearance, he basically goes, Hey, fucker, I'm gonna kill you. To do that, I'm gonna summon all these hollows to wreck over the city, and I'm gonna just be better than you to prove you wrong. He's kind of the Batman to Ichigo's Superman, but because Ichigo is already a little bit of a tryhard, they had to make... Uryu a super tryhard. It's more like a very calm Vegeta. Chris? Yes? I have not seen Dragon Ball. You know this. How do you watch Naruto and not DBZ? Because DBZ was for 90s kids. I was a mid-2000s kid. The Boo Saga was airing 2004. I don't care. It's the Boo Saga. Candy, bitch. Well, if you want to talk about... I I don't care if they had the Ghost from Mario cameo. That's fine. I just... I haven't seen it. But, um... Uh... Again, to explain how off the rails the series gets. Uh, Ichigo is also part Quincy. Was that in this arc? No, it's later on. Okay. I had a, I was, I was racking my brain. Like, when did they fucking say that? No, No, that's what I'm saying. It gets off the rails because every brand new race Kubo brings up into the series. He just makes Ichigo also that. Yeah, you know that new thing I just made up? Ichigo is also that. Why? Because, because he's the main character. So at the end, he is a Soul Reaper, a Quincy. There's like another group of people that two of the other characters that we see in the show are on technical sense. He's a hollow. He's everything. He, he has all the forms. Yep. Uh, another character is uh, Orihime. She's boring. She's basically main girl if Rukia wasn't there. I suppose so. But also that's why she's boring. <laughs> like the only quirk to her is that she's a weird cook. But that's also a quirk that happens to like one out of every five female characters in Japanese kid shows. Yeah. She's also kind and caring and all that kind of stuff. And she can talk to fairies and shoot them like rockets for some reason. No, those fairies are a part of her. I still don't understand that at all. Uh, okay, so real quick. During the whole Monster of the Week thing, Ichigo would say one of his friends. 
one of those friends being Orihime. And mm-hmm. anytime those friends got really enacted, like really close to spiritual stuff with a hollow, they would basically unlock their own spiritual power. Since Orihime is not a fighter, she got a, basically a bunch of guardians that act as her subconscious and that take that like a part of her in a weird way and just kind of go like, hey, we'll protect you. Okay, so that's what was supposed to be going on. I never got that from the show. I always just assumed that everybody was suddenly getting their mutant power at the right time. Like this is an X Men comic. Gets, but notice who gets them. It's the only. It's the ones who are directly hurt and impacted by Hollows. Hmm. Because the Kurosaki family already has plenty of spiritual power, so they don't have to awaken anything when they, uh, when they uh, uh, they're hit by a hollow. And I'll be right back. I'm being called. There. We go. <laughs> um, how do I keep this podcast going? talk about while he's gone. Um, Bleach is an anime from Japan. It came out in the 2000s and is all about to... No, wait, I already did that. Um, fuck. Shit. Uh, let me just... Uh, what can I do? Um, fucking... All right, the Bleach podcast is over now. Uh, welcome to the Naruto podcast. Uh, I am your host, uh, Ninja Master Cool Guy Seven. Today we're going to talk about episode five sixty three of uh, Aruto, son of Boruto, son of Naruto. Um, I thought this episode was really interesting. Because uh, Aruto finally fucked Sokira. Uh, you know, they've been doing will they, won't they with this archetype of the, the, the main character and the love interest character for so long. Uh, but, you know, Naruto never got with Sakura. Um, and uh, for some reason, they did a complete swerve and never got Boruto and Sarada together. Um, but uh, now. Aruto and Sokira are together, which is cool. I'm, I'm very happy for that. Uh, there's also some decent action in this episode. A lot of nice fights. And then there was some decent uh, action in this episode, if you know what I'm saying. Um, uh, I, uh, I also uh, I liked the, uh, the new villain they introduced. That guy who has a... Uh, Snake for a penis. Um, you know, the the whole porn theme they've had with all the character designs in this iteration of the franchise has been really, really interesting and progressive for a kid's anime. Um, I know a lot of people were, were saying I was crazy for saying it was neat and it might actually work when this uh, when the show got revealed. But uh, here we are 22 years later and... Uh, I'm I'm still right, baby. I'm still being proven on top, and that is that is why you guys should support this podcast and keep it going. Uh, make sure you go to Patreon.com/slash Ninja Mas. What, what was what was it again? Was it Sam? No, no, it was Ninja Ninja Master Cool Guy. Um, 
whatever else was in that username. I think there was a number somewhere. Um, but uh, make sure you donate to one of the fucking tiers we got. I'm sure there's... Uh, I think we put tiers on there. I can't remember. Um, yeah, yeah, you gotta give me money so I can continue making this podcast. Uh, please help. I, I kept doing this podcast even when my when my wife left me and took the kids. When my friends tried to hold an intervention. Um, when the when the cops came and shut off my power. Fuck. You guys know the story. I hacked into my neighbor's power lines, and I kept... Oh, is he coming back? He's co- Okay, he's coming back. Hi. Hey. I, I apologize. Hi. Hello. Are you back? Yes. Okay. Nothing at all suspicious happened while you were gone. All right, I'll find out in a couple weeks. Yeah. Um, um, I, I'm fine with Orihime. Orihime is not a bad character. Yeah, she's not a bad character. She's just a bunch of stuff I've seen before. Yeah, but here's the thing. What have you seen her, like, all that stuff? Did it come after this? I can't. Dude, space is warped and time is bendable. But that's what I'm saying. Like, this is an old enough series that may have influenced some of that. Probably. But, uh, yeah, she has weird fairy powers. Um, and then we have the best boy. Yes, yes. Puño Fuerte, the defender of El Mexico, as I like to call him. That's my name. As a Torah Sado, or as his friends call him, Chad. Yeah, Chad. Ch- I love that his real name is Chad. It's the best shit ever. He is a uh, Japanese Mexican. Mm-hmm. He is, uh, and he is a huge motherfucker. Yeah, and and he looks thirty. I don't f- see. I have seen like teenage Mexican dudes who look way older. So I was fine with him looking like that, as opposed to Ichigo, who's clearly supposed to be a white dude. So I'm like Japanese, but he's drawn like a white dude, and they make no. He's drawn like a Japanese person. He just has red hair. For and it's natural. Yeah, he's that's why I thought that's why I thought he was a white dude because they kept saying he has natural red hair, and I'm like that doesn't happen in the Japans. But it's also stylized, and yeah, they have brown hair people. Yeah, but brown and bright orange are two different things, my friend. Like I just said, stylized. Okay. Um, but yeah, he's the best guy. He's a really, he's a big muscle boy who doesn't talk a lot, but he's got a real kind soul. He helps a bird boy out at one point, and he has a big uh, punch hand for destroying people who get in his way, as all men should have. It is one of the most simple but beautiful powers I have ever seen in anime. Because mm-hmm. it basically just turns into bigger and bigger shields. <laughs> it's essentially a, a freaking common Rider gimmick, but it's a, it's a real-life superpower, and I think that's why I like it. Because yeah. I could picture them making an entire Rider around, like, 
He has a big-ass arm that has a shield and a punchy hand on the end of it, and all his forms are just different types of shields. And punchy hands. But that's, yeah, he just looks like, he's basically like, yeah, dude, I'll help you out. And you, every time you see him just do anything, it's just like, how fucking strong are you? I love how disinterested his vocal performance sounds, too, because, like, and I, I'm pretty sure this is what they were going for, so I'm not trying to slag off the actor or anything, but he's he's always just like, huh, that's interesting. Guess we'll, guess we'll help out. Oh, that's a sad yeah. story. Don't worry. I'll make sure you find your mom. It's like, oh, I love this guy. He's just the perfect storm of dumb shit that all meshes together into beauty. He is the Chad to Ichigo's virgin. Yes! But um, but they're, it, it, it's that wholesome versions of the meme where they're friends and they understand and help each other. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the version's still like a really strong, tough guy. I don't know, this this comparison's gotten off the rails. All all uh, we need to know is Chad is the reason Ichigo eventually gets laid. Yeah. I mean, he Ichigo marries Orihime and they have a son in the uh epilogue. Cool. So there's uh Renji and Rukia. They have a daughter. So basically mm-hmm. it was like this, did, did this end after Naruto's ending? Did this copy Naruto's ending? No, I think it came before Naruto. Oh, that that's that's even more hilarious. Maybe. Hold on. Let me let me check. Let me Ooh. let me let me do some research and any other characters you want to kind of like uh mention that you liked or thought were cool or anything like that? Uh yeah, the sisters were cool. Um I I I didn't particularly give a crap about them until like a few episodes in when they actually got some stuff to do. Uh like like the episode where the where the I forget their names. The dark-haired sister who's kind of a bitch actually is is like like cares about something in one of the later episodes. Then suddenly I cared about them and started enjoying their dynamic. Um Fucking uh, Bleach ended after Naruto. Bleach, okay. uh, Bleach copied Naruto's ending. That's great. I'm pretty sure. So let me just double check because the original run of Naruto ended November 10th, 2014. God, that feels like it was only like a year and a half ago. And the uh, final print for the final volume. So this is give or take, but it's definitely definitive. Uh, was fourth uh, of November two thousand sixteen. Hmm. So a good two years later. Interesting. But uh, what you thought about uh, clogs and hat? He is cool. Um, he's he's very much again. It's very much a thing I've seen before. But I didn't mind it. It worked perfectly well for the show. Like, it made sense that there would be a character like this. I didn't so much care for any of his assistants. Like, I thought the two little kids were annoying and stupid. And the big black guy was just kind of there to me. Uh, yeah, I can see that. And then Um, the final major character, Khan. Yeah, Khan. Khan's fun. Um... 
didn't, I didn't like love him, but it was like, yeah, this is a fair addition to the show. I, I, I enjoy this character. I could, I could do with this gimmick a bit, and it saves us having to have Rukia around for every fight scene, even though that was kind of a cool dynamic. Oh yeah, uh, it's also kind of neat that they brought up that they immediately started planting seeds that hey, this Soul Society thing may not be the most ethical thing in the world. Yeah. Um, also, uh, all of Ichigo's classmates who aren't part of the main cast are shitheads, and I hate them, but they're shitheads, and I hate them in the way I hate most anime ca- classmates. Yeah, because you have his two his two bromates. One of them's kind of like the guy who tries to be cool but is always seen as a loser, and then you have the other guy who looks like a pipsqueak but gets laid all the time. I don't. I've never read that character archetype as he actually gets laid all the time. I've always read it as like he just wants everyone to think he gets laid all the time. Like he is, he is the guy who's going to have his entire Twitter feed end up on r slash I have sex. No, like the second guy, the the smaller guy with the black hair, not the brown hair dude. Oh, okay. The guy who says like near near the end of this whole arc where they're going like what are you doing for summer? He says, Oh yeah, I'm going to Hawaii with my girlfriend and nine of her friends. Oh yeah, that I totally forgot about that guy because I just remember always being pissed off at R slash I have sex guy. Oh yeah. You're supposed to kinda be pissed at him. Then you have Rukia's and Orohime's little friend group with Punch Girl and the one girl who really wants to get into a bathtub with Orohime, which... All right, hey. Japan. Hey, at least... You can at least give this series credit for that. At least they didn't have an old man oogling her. It, <laughs> you know, it could have been an old man. Yeah. And he could have been creepy that way. I'm just saying, there's better lesbian rep- representation in media to be had. Okay? It's current year. Except not. <laughs> it's 2004. <laughs> Tattoo's still a thing, apparently. <laughs> oh, fucking tattoo reference. This is why you're my co-host. <laughs> but, um... Also, the, one, the major thing that I think attracted me to Bleach when I was a middle schooler, because this is what attracts any middle schooler to anything, is the aesthetic. The design of this whole thing is just, like, beautiful. Because, if I may, real quick. Opening. Oh, no, just just go off. Because I, this isn't my aesthetic, but I I always love hearing people be like, I'm really into this. This is why I like Few. Because I don't like gaudy 90s colors, but he loves gaudy 90s colors. Oh, gaudy 90s colors are the best. But the opening, it's a bop. The endings, because we got two of them, they're both bops. They're beautiful. The OST is one of the best goddamn anime OSTs ever. Because if you hear that soulful singer start going down the rails, you know shit's about to go down. And that one guitar track where it's like... "Ah, ah, ah, ah," That's in every action scene. Oh, it's like you... like the, the, The OST is so solid at just defining what it the sound of this show is because they could have went with the Naruto route with traditional Japanese instruments with a little bit modern uh, play style to get that kind of like, oh yeah, he's like a samurai feel. But though they said, screw it, we're gonna use hip-hop 
than a soul We're singer. We're going for the fucking zeitgeist, bro. And that's a, and like every every single episode has a, a unique open card. Mm-hmm. With a, and it's not necessarily like unique open card, like how American cartoons would have like a unique anim- drawn illustration to kind of get the show across. It's more stylized and abstract. Like one episode will just say bleach the number episode it is, and it looks like it's underwater. Hmm. Or it can be, like, graffitied on, and it's, like, it's they really try to go out of their way to make everyone look unique in a, in an aesthetic sense. Yeah. And I, I do really like that OST. Um, I, I think it's very strong. Um, the opening is good. I don't think I'd listen to that song a whole lot. But I did like it. I thought it was a good first opening song. The visuals were just like, oh, I thought they were very well executed. But again, not my aesthetic. Um, oh, I no, hated this... the first opening or the first ending. I mean, the first I... ending was insufferable to me. The second ending was okay. And I can get that. It's it's a, it's a very slow jam. It would, you know what it would have been? It would have worked better if they swapped them. Quite possibly. Tonally and emotionally, because the second OP, uh, the second ending theme is very fun and lighthearted. And if they put that with the monster of the week stuff, it's just yeah, monsters. This is fun. And then you then you transition into the oh, this is a slow jam that's sad while Rukia is doing all the things and they're going through the training montage and all that kind of stuff. It would have worked probably a little better, but yeah, yeah, definitely. Actually, now that I think about it, but the aesthetic of Bleach is, is the, the ancillary aesthetic is a lot of like solid block colors, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, and Kubo often draws his characters in um, what was at the time street fashion, street uh, style clothing. Like I have the first three volumes of the manga right here in front nice. of me. And, like, it is beautifully well-drawn and all that kind of stuff. And, like, at the end of every volume, you get, like, these two pages uh, going through some of, like, the characteristics of, the char- uh, the characteristics of like, Ichigo. So, like, it's a full full-body sketch of him and, like, his street clothes. And it's very much like, oh, this is early 2000s streetwear punk. Like, mm-hmm. that's... That's it, it reminds me of like Travis Touchdown and that kind of stuff. This is what CM Punk was wearing when he was running his backyard wrestling ring. Yeah, like uh, and like he gives weird details like um, Ichigo likes slim fit shirts and pants, likes chocolate. Favorite celebrities are Mike Ness and Al Pacino. Who the fuck is Mike Ness? Person he respects most is William Shakespeare. Okay. And, like, he gave every one of his songs, like... What? Is Rukia's in there? Can we hear that real quick? Rukia? I want to hear who her favorite celebrity is. Oh, she doesn't have one, because she's from Soul Society. Ah, I remember. She's from Earth Culture. Uh, Doesn't like tight clothing. And that's apparent, because everything she wears is a sundress. Yeah. Um, Likes climbing to high places. Yeah, she, she, first couple times we see her, she's standing on rooftops. Uh, she likes rabbit-related items. 
Yeah, I can see that, given the way she draws. And, and she likes cucumbers. Cucumbers are good. And Shiratama, but the list can go on. Her theme song is actually McIsaac Wingstock recording, uh, recorded in Hi, How Are You Today? That's only in the first volume. Let's go to the second volume real quick. Okay, we're, let's just do everyone. Let's do it. I only have the first three, so okay. that's all I have. Okay. Uh, so, Orihime, she likes Asian and flower prints. Makes sense. She likes comedy. Yeah. She daydreams a lot. No shit. Her mouth is open when she daydreams. No shit. She likes cheese and butter. She puts butter on baked sweet potatoes. That sounds like something she would do. And is a student health advisor. Okay. She like helps the nurse do all that kind of stuff. Oh, uh, is that is that in American schools or not? Because I I never went to like a. I don't think no. It's not really in American schools. It's really a Japanese thing. All right. But here's the best one, best boy. Do you want to yeah. say best boy for last? Oh, um, yeah. Let's do them last. Let's do them last. Let's do them last. Let's do best boy for last. Okay, so in the third volume, because in the third volume of the manga is the um, uh, the um, the goddamn what's the fucking? It's the dude at the mom's graveyard. That's that hollow. I can't remember what he he was called. Uh, he is the mega skeleton bro, Babadook. Um, what is it when, what's that one fish that's in the bottom of the ocean that has an angler fish? Angler. That's the word I was looking for. Angler. Angler, angler, angler. Okay. So next character is Tatsuki uh, Arasawa, who's the punch girl who's friends with Orihime and Ichigo. Oh yeah. I, I forgot about her. She was cool. Yeah, she's great. Um, she's on the karate team. She joined as a black belt, second degree. Has known Ichigo since they were four years old. Yep, that was definitely a thing. Uh, she likes shorts and cargo pants. That is very fitting for her character. Uh, she belongs to the student disciplinary committee. Okay. She worries that her name in kanji isn't cute, so she makes sure to write it in hiragana. That's... I don't think she's the kind of girl who'd be concerned with cuteness on any level, but okay. I mean, it's probably like, I don't want to, it's probably seeing like, it's like a, a mindset of like, I don't want to be a complete dyke. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to be a complete tomboy. I want to, I want a little bit of cuteness in me because I'm still, she's still a girl. She still care about a little bit of that. I, w- I wasn't going to say it, but like, I, I'm sure there's plenty of people who are like, the only reason she punches the girl who's constantly coming on to Orihime is because she's Orihime's secret girlfriend. Uh, and she likes apple pie. Apple pie is fucking delicious. Good pick. Okay. Ishin Kurosaki, Ichigo's dad. Ooh. He is the head of the Kurosaki family. Duh. He's a local doctor and can do anything except major surgery. Also, duh. Uh, likes potato bean paste cakes. Okay. Favorite celebrity is John Lee Hooker. Who the fuck is John Lee Hooker? 
Um, and he was originally designed to be a mortician instead of a doctor until the very last minute. That makes a lot of sense, actually. Especially with a lot of the themes of death and all that kind of stuff. Alright, time for best boy. Oh, John Lee Hooker is like a African-American guitar jazz bro. Yeah, this guy, this very much feels like a hip-hoppy jazz kind of influenced a lot of this whole story. Hmm. But uh, some of this guy's music later. Chad. He likes loud shirts. His neck always open. Yes. Tattoo of a winged heart with a snake wrapped around on left shoulder. The words amore e morte, love and death. Oh my god, I love this guy. He likes small animals. That is, that is obvious, given that... He also, likes, he also likes tomatoes. <laughs> uh, this, guy, this guy would not get along with Sasuke whatsoever. And his family structure is unknown. He is 192 centimeters tall. That's, uh, that's pretty tall. Pretty tall. Also, I'm looking at I'm looking at John Lee Hooker's discography. There's probably going to be at least one person who's really mad at me for not knowing who he is because he's done a lot of shit with a lot of other more famous people. Yeah, but hey, now you know about him. You can always he, think Ichigo's dad. Yeah, thank you, Ichigo's dad. <laughs> is he that annoying now? Yeah, he's still pretty annoying. But hey, he got a couple good scenes towards the end. Yeah. Um, but so much of this is just like, this is a very nostalgic show because I used to stay up late and watch this on Adult Swim. Mm. And I think when you, when you look at a show like that through that lens of, oh yeah, watching it on a very specific way in a very, uh, in a, in a very specific way on a very specific channel, it really tinges how you feel, how like you perceive the show. Mm-hmm. Because I remember just, it's midnight, CRT TV flickering at me, I'm in, the, I'm in the living room at my grandma's house, she's dead asleep, and you just hear that, like, lo-fi hip-hop that Adult Swim used at the time, boom, that, and it's like, yeah, and you read the joke, and it's funny, and then all of a sudden, the Bleach theme song pops up, it's like, oh, that's everything. It's, it's, it's it was fucking lit, bro. Dude. It, it was a powerful moment, like because it, I was watching uh, Bleach, uh, Full Metal Alchemist, and um, the reboot Cyborg Zero Zero Nine episode. Like all, it, they were premiering all at the same time, but I didn't know jack shit, so I didn't know what was going on. I was just going like, "What the fuck is this dope robot shit?" Oh my god, this dude has like a giant knife for a sword. This is awesome. Yeah, it sounds like a very similar experience to the thing I told you about before the recording tonight of me um, when I was a kid getting up at 5 a.m. to turn on Cartoon Network and hear, All worlds are in danger! Yeah, but see, I got dope hip-hop beats. And I got a weird Australian rap version of the Transformers theme, which... 
Honestly, I think I win out in the end, but you you can have your little victory. I mean, at least I have better taste. <laughs> Look, I get I get that Cybertron is garbage, but it's my garbage, damn it. I'm just mean in general. Mr. I don't like mech. You, you, you really want to go? You really want to go here? You really want to have Beckcast two tonight? When nah, we're an nah. hour in. We're gonna get there one day. Uh, I'm going to suggest something you just find utterly horrible. That's gonna be worse than Beck. Next episode: Battlefield Earth review. No, I'm not ever gonna put myself through that bullshit. <laughs> uh, so anything else you you kind of want to talk about in this show because I've kinda, I kind of I'm kind I'm kind of at a loss here too I think that's about it so why don't we go on to what we've been up to this week alrighty then so Chris what have you been listening to this week oh boy I have some tasty tasty shit for you ooh, ooh. so First thing up, I listened to an EP by an upcoming artist. Uh, you may have heard of him. Uh, the EP is from Little Nas X. Who? Old Town Road. Oh, that guy. Yeah. Um, it's a bunch of new songs. Um, basically, he went, all right, I want to make sure people know I'm not just a novelty one hit wonder kind of dude. So he really branched out his style. Like one of them is kind of grungy, like Nirvana grunge. Oh, wow. Like full on guitars. It, it, it sounds really cool. He has a, he made another trap country song called rodeo and it's just like solid. The chorus is great. It's, uh, it's like, um, if I take you everywhere, you won't know how to walk. Uh, that kind of, um, if I give you everything, um, it's really cool chorus, and it's really just dope. It's just a really solid. Like, I am looking forward to seeing what this guy does. Well, that's nice. Like, and it's just, it just, god damn it! I'm making sure because I really liked the chorus, and I wanna, I wanna mention it. If I took you everywhere, then, well, you wouldn't know how to walk. If I spoke on your behalf, then you wouldn't know how to talk. If I gave you everything, and everything is what I bought, I can take that all back and never care about what you thought. Basically, like, yo, I don't want to be that guy in a relationship, so let's actually, like, work together. Hmm. Neat. And, uh, on that country train, continuing... Uh, I've been listening to Orville Peck, the ah. gay anonymous cowboy. Yes, the 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 guy you, oh the smooth the smooth lounge boy as as I've come to know him because I've only listened to the one song you put in my Discord server. Yeah, uh, he's new on the scene, and his music is best way to put it. It's like it's very old, old old style country, like Johnny Cash and earlier, aka real country. Actual country, yep, yep. Um, and he's making a lot of waves because that sounds fresh because country's been beer and drug and dirt roads for so goddamn Pseudo long. Pseudo hip hop for like the last twenty years. 
yeah, that everybody's going like, wow, a person actually talking about sadness and pain and death just feels nice. Especially because, like, I saw a lot of people going like, God, this just sounds like goth music with a twang. And it's like, yeah, that's what country is. Mm-hmm. That's what country's supposed to be. It's goth music, but with a southern accent. Yeah, and he's got a he's got a cool gimmick. He looks like the vigilante from the them their DC comics. Yeah, except he has like a cool fringe coming out of the bottom of his mask covering his mouth. Mm-hmm. But the weird thing is, despite the mask, you can still tell he's hot. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just really cool, and um, it's also really neat to see a uh, LGBTQA dude just be in the country scene, because that's not something you really associate with country music. Mm-hmm. And he stands next to two very scantily clad women, so his gayness doesn't totally intimidate you. Oh, yeah. But also, like, he, it, like I follow him on Instagram now, because I just, like, fell in love with his music. Nice. Like... He uh, he posted a picture of this old dude, and in the caption it said, uh, a member of, I can't remember the band, name of the band, it was like purple something, pink, uh, purple pink mauve or something like that. It was a color and then a thing, and it said, one of the original gay cowboys. And it's like, you know, and he's also repping the ones who came before him. He's not just going like, hey, I'm the first gay country singer. It's like, no. There's a history that comes before him, and he's representing that, and he's respecting that, and it's like, fuck yeah. Nice. It's really cool. I can't, like, I can't wait to see this revival of country come to fruition. That will just be amazing to me. Yeah. Because you have yeah. really new, interesting stuff with Lil Nas X, really pushing boundaries on, on country, but actually being truer to country than many country singers have been. I mean, like, I don't, I don't particularly like Little Naj X, but I, I do get why people enjoy the song, and I don't have any ill will towards it. Um, Orville Peck is pretty darn good from what I've heard, the one song I've heard, and I want to listen to more. But, like, dude, I fucking love Johnny Cash, and Devil Went Down to Georgia is one of my favorite songs of all time. And, like, for the longest time as a kid... I hated country because all the country you could hear as a radio, which when you're a kid, the radio is how you experience music. Or when we were kids, the radio was how you experienced music. All the country you heard was garbage. We're trying to be hip hop, but we're going to talk about beer and fucking our sisters and the Confederate flag country. Uh, 99.9 Gator country. That's a Florida joke for you there. I, I, Um, I know that station. Uh, it used to be in Daytona, like Froggy something. I can't remember. Mm. But baseball's never been hotter than the Jacksonville Suns. Hey. Um, the only country act I think who can get away with infusing hip hop into their sound was uh, Big and Rich, because they don't. took it as a joke. It, they were like, "No, we're just going to be making goofy stuff. We're going to be not take ourselves seriously." Okay. Because they were the band that did Save a Horse, Ride a Cowboy. I think I know what that is, but I can't remember. Basically, the whole song was, Hey girl, you want to jump on my dick? Well, at least you're you're, uh, you're not beating around the bush. Yeah, Save a Horse, Ride a Cowboy. 
But yeah, that's what I've been listening to. Nice. A lot of well, revival country and weird stuff. As I said on the last podcast, I'm currently rebuilding my music playlist that I have for just casual listening on another account because I, I went back to just having one YouTube account. Um, so I haven't listened to anything new this week. Um, would you like to hear me ramble about some old shit I've already listened to? I mean, most of the shit you listen to is old shit, so go ahead. That's fair enough. Let me put that <laughs> real quick. Oh. I'm just coming with the zingers at your expense. Yeah, well. Uh, the O's combo change themes, which are just fucking magnificent inserts. Like, if you have not listened to those, they're worth it alone for the bits where fucking Akira Kushida will just chant the name of the form. Putotila, putotila sesodus. That's oh, that shit gets gets me. Uh, churches. We did a whole podcast on churches. A little bit of DJ Cumberbunds. He's a good boy who makes good um, fan edit songs. Uh, did Ghost, I show him? Show him to you because I've been listening to Cumberbund forever. Yeah, you introduced me to him. Oh yeah, because I remember I said listen to this. Dope-ass remix. Also, Macho Man Randy Savage is in there. Yeah, and then you sent me, like, three other videos of his, and I'm like, did you just find this channel? <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, yeah, he's a good boy. Uh, we've already done a whole podcast on ghosts. I don't need to say how good Ghost is. They're good boys. Um, They're good saint boys. Some Elvis. I've been an Elvis fan since I was, like, 10, so... And everybody knows who the fuck Elvis is. Either you like his music or you don't. Um, Kendrick Lamar... You know, you know Elvis, but do you know Elvis? <laughs> uh, Kendrick Lamar... I Kendrick Lamar is not the kind of artist I'm normally into, but I really, really like his shit. It's, it speaks to me on levels, like... I is an instant classic, in my opinion, and everybody loves Humble. I love Humble. DNA is great. Element is fucking a, a phenomenal song and video. Um, and then the songs he did at the time with um, Black Panther are pretty good. Uh, Will Smith. Uh, Will Smith is actually a really divisive guy, I found out in recent years for rap fans. Like, either you love him or you hate him. It depends on whether you like corny shit or not. And I like corny shit, so I love Will Smith. Um, uh, Kuro Kuro Benito, I like, I like them quite a bit. Um, they're, they're a bit hard to get into at first just because of like how bright and happy they, they are. Uh, but and you also got to be willing to just like let Japanese lyrics slide right over you. Yeah. Um, but they're... They're pretty good, and their their newest track, uh, or their newest single, "Swimming," is much more downbeat and much much better than any of their earlier stuff. And I like their earlier stuff. I just dropped my pen. It's much better than their earlier stuff. Um, and I would say, like, if you don't like them, at least go check out that video. It is it is a fantastical thing. It's it's one of my like real aesthetics. Um, I want to spoil it for anybody what it is because it's a great video. Uh, anything else? I think that's it for this week, yeah. Uh, so, Chris, what have you been watching this week? The Fighting Driver. 
I've seen Gal Gygar episode three, the introduction of the dividing driver. Yeah, I've seen that thing in toys, and it looks it looks like a hell of a weapon. It's not a weapon. What? Do you want to know what it does? What does it do? In order to mitigate um, uh, uh, casual destruction <laughs> to not hurt people, they send the dividing driver, which makes a several-kilometer-wide uh, expanse in the middle of the city and pushes everything out, leaving it undamaged and untouched so Gal Gygar can fight the giant robot and not hurt anybody. That is fucking great. That's what the dividing driver does. That continues on in the whole vein of this is Superman the anime, and I love it. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, like, because one of the main characters dropped off by a robot lion to basically the Japanese Kents. Um, but here's uh, but the, 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 the people who are, like, keeping Gal Gai Gar locked up uh not locked up but like in the hangar keeping check on it and keeping an eye on it they got they get to the kid and they're checking him out and going like all right you just seem human every nothing everything seems fine we have no idea why you're turning into a fairy green boy and saving people hmm. uh so there's mystery there it's fun it's just really good i re- like i just really love old ass anime old ass anime is good anime Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that's that's the only episode of uh, Gal Gaigar I've seen this week. Okay. But I have seen a unique independent animated show on YouTube called "The Dudes of Hazmat." Is this the thing you sent me a couple clips of? Maybe. But basically, it's you've seen Adult Swim stuff, haven't you? Yes. It's like that, but better. Animation, like, here's the best way to put it. Instead of animating a walk cycle, the guy rotoscoped him, like, I would assume himself, walking in place, and then moved the character walking in place, but as if they were actually walking as the animation for their walking. Huh. And it's, like, hilarious to see. Okay, no, this is a different thing than the stuff you were sending me, like the Keanu Reeves court case. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. That's another great animator. We can talk about him, too. But um, I'll send you a clip of Dudes of Hazmat real quick so you can kind of get a feel. Uh, I I would just say, like, uh, skip around because it's an eight-minute video, the first episode. Um, oh, uh, or I could send you, no, I'll just send you the can of whoop-ass clip. Okay. Uh, because the first episode has a musical theme, a musical bit in it. Boop. That's, uh, the dudes of Hazmat. Um, and it's very, like, he didn't want to animate Mouse, so he put him in hazmat suits. And, like, in the second episode uh, that I watched, uh, there's this psychic woman who 
realizes uh, something and she has to go away and she gets her friend to come with her. But they have two different rotoscoped walk cycles. So one of them is running faster and instead of just making the other person move faster so it looks weird, they just added a line that just says, hey, slow down. And it's just great. Yeah, this looks pretty decent. But, like, the walk cycles are some of the best things because it's just, it's just so fun. It's so fun and goofy. Hmm. It's a very, it's a very old YouTube style of funny animation. Oh, yeah. Like, it's really jerky, but all the jerkiness is very charming and fun. But yeah, that's the dudes of hazmat. It's fun. It's absurd comedy. Um, but then the other thing we watched that I sent to you and you watched. Yep. Uh, I'm trying to get the animator's name so he can James talk Lee. He has one of the crisp, crisp, unique animation styles I have seen in forever. Okay, dude has flipping mastered the Japanese anime comedy style where it's just it's very quick it's very clean and it's very dramatic and that's where the comedy comes from uh essentially he has a series where he holds a courtroom of public opinion Mm -hmm. he's had episodes on james gunn and a bunch of uh justin thudo and a couple other people group together he had one on michael jackson that i haven't watched yet and he had one on keanu reeves and it's a very, it's, he's in live action, uh, but he has plenty of filters over him. He, his glasses, you never see his eyes. Uh, and the rest of the characters are animated. But the way he films himself, it's very, it's very distinct. Like, he's not just filming himself, he's speeding up up and slowing down the footage so it feels animated in and of itself and it's just really it's really it's really inspiring and i want to i just want to see more shit like that guy clearly has a very strong style he's going for yeah very very distinct not like much other stuff you ever see on youtube it's a shame that it's probably never going to be seen by a wide audience because it probably takes them forever to make a video, and then it's not going to get boosted because the algorithm. Yeah. And the algorithm just changed, too, and it's fucking <sighs> a lot of people over. It always changes. But you know what never changes? Pop-tarts, because they're delicious. I remember Pop-tarts. You remember, have, when was the last time you had a Pop-Tart? <laughs> I seriously want to know. When was the last time you had a Pop-Tart? Uh, probably a couple weeks ago. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was worried for a second there. I was like, did you did you leave that in childhood? Like some sort of I'm too old for Pop-Tarts bullshit? No, I was quoting Cool Ghosts. Oh, uh, uh, uh. In their latest episode, they just go, do you remember Pop-Tarts? Ah. 
The joke is because they're dead. Oh, yeah. All right. You uh, you watch anything else? Um, a bunch of shit ton of YouTube. Yeah, yeah. Like, just so much YouTube. I also watch this really cool anime. It's called Bleach. Oh. Uh, it's just that, that old Twitter and YouTube grind. Twitter and YouTube. Twitter and YouTube. Every day, that's your life. Twitter and YouTube. And every day, I, you're I, getting older, and you haven't accomplished any... Uh, sorry, this is, an old, this is an old problem I had with myself coming back. I, I've never fucking... I barely am on Twitter. Good. I am on Twitter like maybe twice a week. Cool. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, uh, I guess uh, I'll go now. I watched a lot more Common Rider Build. I'm on episode 20 now. Uh, I've watched episodes 12 through 20, and holy shit, is shit popping off in this show. I thought people were just joking around when they were calling it plot the series. It is plot the it is plot overdrive the series cuz like pretty much shit goes down at Christmas and then it doesn't stop going down. Like this show is just a continuous Christmas episode of Common Rider at this point and that is kind of amazing and like even in the in the episode after the Christmas episode, they make a joke about that because, like, you know how in X Eight there was that big dramatic ending to the Christmas episode, but they had an episode of build up of like, oh, it's Christmas time and there's Christmas stuff around, and there was that big fucking poppy peep popo musical number in the actual Christmas episode. Yeah, yeah. In build, there is so much plot going on that they don't have time for any Christmas in their Christmas episode. In the last time on Common Rider Build recap, in the next episode, they do a joke about like we've been so busy with all this crazy bullshit that we didn't even get to have Christmas. And there's like a cutaway to them on the day after Christmas in those just sitting around in those dumbass costumes Toei makes the actors wear every year. It's so good. <laughs> um, but what has basically happened is, uh, okay, so a uh, boy who we meet at the start of the show and was accused of murdering somebody uh, has now become the secondary writer. It's cool. He's, he's, he's a good boy. I like him. Um, but uh, we found out that the person he was accused of murdering is uh and this is major spoilers for build people so uh chris you okay with this i don't care okay he, he um he is a face swapped memory erased version of the guy who secondary writer was was set up as was framed for murdering and mm. that person is also the person who created the evil organization from the show. So now the main writer is racked with guilt. As a main writer should be. Mm -hmm. And there's like a whole two episodes of him going, I don't know how I can fucking go on when I made all this shit to f kill people with. I've just been, I've been using it to save lives. Am I really a good guy? 
And then they have that, that standard scene of him wandering around, not knowing what to do. And then his friends are just like, hey, bitch, you're a good person. Keep being a good person. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's right. I am a good person. I'm a good boy. Yeah. Um, but uh, then uh, the main we find out who the main antagonist is because uh, – Night Rogue and Bloodstock are two uh, main antags. Have uh, they've been ha- they've had identities unbeknownst to the main characters, even though it's pretty obvious for viewers to know up till this point. Um, but the main characters find out that Night Rogue is the son of the prime minister of the part of Japan they're in, and uh, he conspires to have his. Uh, father injured and put in the hospital so he can become the prime minister of japan and uh bloodstock is the goofy shop owner grandpa character you know like you know (laughs) you know brave's dad from x-aid yeah this is basically what if that guy was chronos so basically they went, all right, you know all those standard character archetypes we use in X-Aid and other shows like it? Mm-hmm. We're just going to fuck with all of them. Yeah. Uh, and he's great. He's really entertaining. I liked him before we even found out he was the big bad, but he's like even more entertaining now. It's kind of a, it's kind of a Dan situation, but like Dan's just 10,000 more charismatic points than this guy ever will be um and uh they they try to steal pandora's box and all the bottles but bill tricks them but good and he's like fuck you bitches i'm not working with with or for you i'm gonna fight you and then they're like uh okay and then bloodstock betrays night rogue he steals Pandora's bot, or he steals all the data Build has from his past life. That basically is the cheat sheet for the upgrades. And he fucks off to another part of Japan and is like, hey, here's all these, uh, all this information on how to make these secret weapons. You want to go invade the part of Japan I just came from and steal Pandora's box so you can make a big nuclear-powered weapon and take over the world? And they're like, that sounds fucking awesome. We'll do that. So now we've entered to, into an arc where part of Japan is invading into another part of Japan, and it's a war-torn wasteland. And surprisingly, they're actually depicting that rather well. There's actually a lot of really good set dressing going on, and um, there was a scene where one of the main characters is running around in the aftermath of a battle, and they've got like a million little kid actors in there just standing around looking like they just got done crying for three hours, screaming, where's my mom? As in, all these kids' moms are dead as shit. It's like, ah, I forgot that Japan's okay with putting that in a kid's show. This is cool. Um, but uh, then, uh, because of the secret upgrade information, Secondary Rider Boy gets an upgrade with the aid of a new driver, which is called the Sclash Driver, and is essentially a hunk of blue plastic with a lever that is a giant wrench sticking out the side, 
And instead of energy drink bottles, which is what they have been using to transform so far. I always saw these... them as like spray cans. Like, No, spray... no, no. They're, they're called bottles. They're meant to be like energy drinks. And then Build's first upgrade beyond the basic forms is a big soda can. I always thought it was like spray bottles because he kind of has that whole, uh, the whole plastic runner like a model kit. Yeah. Um, but uh, the the new transform the new gimmick items they have for the Slash Driver are jelly packets because, and I did not know this was a thing before I started watching Build. Apparently, it's a big thing with, like, packing lunches if moms aren't going to do a bento box in Japan. That kids just get these little boxes of jelly to put on whatever. Hmm. Yeah. So they're using those to transform. And then we get another, uh, we get a new writer, the, f- the third writer of the series, um, who also uses the Slash Driver, and he is Common Rider Grease. And he transforms using... The robot jelly. He is the robot in Greece, as his transformation jingle says. Um, and he has an incredibly tragic backstory because the part of Japan he came from, which he's working for, is kind of like their general during this invasion of Build's part of Japan. He, before the Skywall disaster, was like a kid who's dad had just died and he came into all this money and all this farmland that he had to suddenly start maintaining. So he hired all his buddies on right out of high school and was like, this is just what we're going to do. We're going to stay friends forever and we're going to work on this farm I now own together because I, I, I'm way too stressed out to do it by myself. And then when the sky wall happened, all of his land became infertile and he threw away his entire fortune just keeping his friends employed, and then he went bankrupt, and then this shit happened, and the government came to him and was like, hey, you guys are compatible for this new super soldier thing we got going. You want to sign up? Okay, I guess if it'll mean my friends and I get to stay together and th- and they get to keep putting food on the table for their families. Um, So his friends are basically monsters of the week, but they're they actually keep their personalities and they have uh, a little, they're a little higher, more powerful is the word I'm looking for. And also I think they're a homage to Akamizer free, which is an, an obscure Shotaro Ishinomori creation. Um, so that's cool. But also um, Greece is pretending that he has amnesia after becoming a writer because in order to be a general, he has to be a massive dickhead to his friends. And for him, it's easier to do it while pretending he doesn't know who they are. Because, he'd feel, because he already feels like a giant jackass doing it. But he'd, already, but he'd feel like an even more giant jackass doing it if he, if he, if he still remembered them, quote-unquote. And to top it all off... um. The main supporting cast girl, Misora, is also an idol in her spare time called Mitan. And her whole th- the whole idol gimmick with her is, and this is integral to the plot of the first few episodes, is she will go on and just ask for information about certain things. 
and she'll give out rewards based on that. And so whenever they're like, huh, we're a little bit stuck on this case we're trying to solve. Misora, get the webcam. And that's that's how they progress the plot sometimes. But major plot twist, Grease, this big badass who's talking about like, I'm so angsty. My whole fucking life got ruined by the Skywall, and I want to keep my friends and keep them alive. And uh, I just, I, I, I'm pretending like I'm a big amnesiac badass, and I want to live, live for the fight of the passion of battle. Uh, you, you, if you if you bore me in fight, you're a loser. He is a Misora super fan. <laughs> he has her as the save screen on his phone, and uh, somebody. Um, sent me a screen cap from a later episode where apparently he has a me tan body pillow. Oh God! Mm-hmm. I, I, Japan is amazing because they play it up when he recognizes her. They play it up all dramatic, like like that girl, and they zoom in on like this alien artifact that she uses to purify the build bottles and make them usable in the driver. Um, and it's like. Oh, he probably knows something about her because her backstory is really vague at this point. He's probably going to bring forward some major reveal and maybe the other Japanese government is trying to capture her as well. And then he's just like, She's Meetan! Oh my god! (laughs) It's it's one of the best swerves I've seen in a toku. I'll say that. Um... And there's, like, this whole thing of Bill being like, I'm a scientist, I don't want my creations to be used as weapons of war, I will not work with this government if they're going to make me fight for them, well, I, I don't want to be a part of this war, I'm, I'm not even the same person as the guy who got his amnesia erased to become me, this war has nothing to do with me. And then there's, like, a, a reality check moment of the secondary writer and the the main supporting cast girl being like, no, dude, we're all kind of involved in this. We all have a stake in this. You need to get your shit together and get involved, and we, we need to be a team again. And it's like, yeah, okay. So there's an arc of them doing that and then fighting Greece for a little bit. And then in the most recent episode, uh, we found out that Misura has an ability where she can just insta-heal any wound, but it causes her to pass out for a few hours. Um, and they were like, oh, hey, the Prime Minister of Japan is still in the hospital, and we don't like his son. His son's an asshole who's making us fight for the government kind of forcibly, and he has questionable tactics. Let's go revive the Prime Minister of Japan! And then there's this big bad FC where he just storms into this war meeting where um, his son is, like, telling off Bill and being like, God damn it, why don't you follow my orders? All this shit that went wrong in this episode is all your fault because you didn't follow my orders. We have to, we have to invade them and take out the, the bad guys, and, and we're going we're gonna to take over all of Japan, and, and I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring forth a new dynasty and be an amazing guy. And then his dad just storms in and is just like, I can walk again. I'm prime minister. I'm back to being prime minister now. You get the fuck out of this part of Japan. I don't have a son anymore. Also, we're going to take your driver. No, you don't. I'm going to transform and fly off. <laughs> it's like, oh, that is, some, that is some classic Japanese tropage right there, and I was into it. Um, so that's, that's built so far. It is a good show, and I like it. Um, 
it's it's not quite like favorites level yet, but I get the feeling it could get there once we get into the second half. Um, and then, uh, hey, Chris, you want to hear me say something really embarrassing? I mean, it's your embarrassment. I just this week discovered binging with Babish. Uh... Yeah. Because uh, it's kind of the same thing with Bon Appetit. Of I just needed either someone like you to make me watch them or the algorithm to make me accidentally click on one of their videos. Because I would always see it in the trending tab, and I'd be like, what is this? this guy makes a food from a show. This is just gimmicky garbage trying to get views. I don't need to watch this. He's probably like some incredibly handsome 20-something who just screams at the camera all the time. I, this, this is the kind of shit that makes me hate YouTube. I'm never going to click on this. And then I just randomly clicked on one of his videos on accident. And it's the most amazing, soothing fucking we're just focusing on the thing i'm doing there's no extra bullshit no no frills it's just good ass solid content you don't even have to have seen the show the dish he's making is from to enjoy it and i was like oh my god i have found the few of food videos this is amazing also are you just have you just watched his binging episodes or have you watched his be, uh his uh basics? I've watched a few binging episodes. I'm gonna watch the basics one on brownies that just came out when I go to sleep tonight. Because it's it's literally, hey, here's all the stuff when I'm cooking, but I'm actually just cooking food so you can learn the skills and it's like mm-hmm. fucking great. That's nice. I also saw he has an he has like a workout series now, and I'm in, I'm eager to see what that's like. Uh, it's partially because he's training to cosplay Kratos. Nice. <laughs> yep. Um, and then uh, I watched another YouTube thing, or ca- I caught up on a YouTube thing I haven't watched in quite a while. Um, so Chris, have you heard of this guy called Digibro? Uh, well, it's not going to be what you think it is. Are you aware of the fact that he has brothers? I know one of them makes like his beats. That is his youngest brother. He is the oldest of three brothers. His youngest brother is the one who used to make his beats. He ha- he has it in like two albums now um, because he went off to become a real boy. And by be a real boy, I mean he got really into his job at Pizza Hut and is now engaged to be married. Nice. Um, And then there's the middle child of the family, Victor, who is like an aspiring indie filmmaker guy who, like, his entire job is he runs a business where he basically just shoots weddings and rap videos for people. But on the side, he has a Let's Play channel now because Digi started the Digi Bros Let's Play channel with him, and they did that for a very long time, and it got to be a regular thing in his life. And then Digi got a girlfriend, and he didn't, and he moved away, and he couldn't really do that anymore. And Victor was like, "Well, I still want to. I still enjoy doing these videos. I still want to do it." Hey, hey, comrade, can I just have the channel? Sure. 
Okay, I'm going to change the name to Vic and Hope because I'm going to do it with my girlfriend now, who I've been with for way longer with your than your girlfriend, so I have a way more interesting dynamic with her than you do with your girlfriend. Okay. And they've been doing Let's Plays ever since. They upload very irregularly, and they don't really play through the real the whole game because it's just an excuse to to do like a 20 to 40 minute podcast on just whatever's been going on in their lives lately. And uh, like oftentimes they w- they will switch games even within sessions. It's just whatever they feel like playing or whatever they've been playing lately that they do it on. Um, so I caught up on uh, like the last few parts, which have come out in the space of like four or five months because these all came out during the period where I was like, I fucking hate Digi. I'm sick of Digi. I don't ever want to see anything related to him ever again. And I unsubbed from all of his channels and I and I just reflexively unsubbed from Vic and Hope. Vic and Hope is good and it's pretty separate from their from Digi's shit. Uh, except for when Digi occasionally just randomly appears on there again. Uh, looking it up right now just to see what the videos I watched were. Okay, so I watched their playthrough of DMC5, which is just two parts, their playthrough of Resident Evil 2 Remake, which is just two parts, and then their playthrough of Sekiru, which is uh, now up to nine parts. And uh, I had a really interesting time listening to this because, uh, long story short, the thing I used to listen to audiobooks uh, timed out all the books I had borrowed, so I couldn't listen to books at work for the last few nights, so I've just been listening to this. And it was a really interesting roller coaster, um, and I'm just going to start partway through the Sekiru playthrough, because that's where all the interesting shit starts happening. So they talked about Detective Pikachu for a whole episode, and they spoiled the shit out of it. I will not spoil the shit out of it on this podcast, because it's not even on home video yet. But, um... They hated it. Their reaction to it was like the reaction most people had to the first Transformers movie. It's like, this is this is the last generation trying to make what they think we want, and it's fucking terrible. Um, and I was like, the way you're describing it, it sounds all right to me, but whatever you're entitled to your opinion, and every, every other review I have heard has been positive, so it was just really interesting to hear a negative review of it. And then they talked about Avengers Endgame, and their whole review of Endgame was like, yeah, I guess it's good. I don't see why people were upset. There was some wonky stuff in there, but like they wrapped up 10 plus years of movies. That's a real feat to accomplish. So, you know, good on them. And I'm like, I like how you guys just gave the review most of the internet would give to Detective Pikachu to Endgame. Um, and they talked to, and because uh, Victor's very into the Souls series, he talked about Sekiru a good bit and made it sound like a cool, interesting game. I've never touched a Souls series game, but I, I'm I because of him and Digi, I am somewhat interested in getting into it at some point. So it's good to hear that Sekiru is another good installment. Um, 
And then they talked about a cool trip to Atlanta they took where they went to see all this cool stuff and potentially and look into potentially moving there. Um, and then they reveal, um, which they talked about something I had forgotten about, which is a story from like way early and when they had taken over the channel of when they became boyfriend and girlfriend, it was on a trip to Atlanta they had taken with another couple friends because they were friends since high school. And it was always very clear that Victor liked Hope, but Hope is asexual, so it was kind of like, well, this is never going to happen, so I'm never going to make my move kind of a thing for him. And then on their original trip to Atlanta, they had this uh, big, um, they got away from their friends at one point, and they kind of just had this big emotional conversation and just decided that, like, um, yeah, we do actually really like each other, and we work really well together. So even though I'm not the same sexuality as you, I don't think I'm ever going to find a better partner, uh, was kind of Hope's mentality, if I remember correctly. It, very low chance she or Victor will ever listen to this, but if I'm putting words in her mouth, I apologize. Um, this is just how I remember it. Um, so let's get together and be in a relationship. And they've been extremely happy ever since. And so on this trip back to Atlanta, which was under the pretense of we're celebrating Hope graduating, graduating from college, and it's also just a, a thing we did a long time ago, uh, Victor proposed. And it, it was really cute, and I was really happy for him because the way they proposed, the way he pro ended up proposing was like, ended up, he had like this perfect plan. And then some other guy did his perfect plan at the place they went to before he was going to do it. And so he was like, well, fuck, now I can't do it. And then he tried to come up with, like, this backup thing, and that went wrong. And then he just, like, at the last second pulled her aside on a bench and was just like, hey, here's a ring. Will you marry me? She was like, a fucking course, bro. And uh, that was really neat. And so, yeah, I enjoyed that a lot. If people don't, if people are into Let's Plays and don't watch Vic and Hope, Go watch Vic and Hope. It's it's a very good show. Just don't just don't expect it to be about the game necessarily. Um, and that's the whole reason I did that because I, I I really enjoyed listening to these episodes and I was like I should do a thing talking about how good Vic and Hope is. But I'm not really using my main channel right now, so I'll do it on the podcast. All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you read anything this week, Chris? Read, 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 read. Let's see. Boop, 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 boop. Let me pull it up. Um, I started reading Zatch Bell. Nice. It, I remember really loving the anime as a kid. And even, like, wanting to play the trading card game. Mm. Uh, but yeah, Zatch Bell. That's something I'm uh, reading up. Uh, a manga I've been reading, uh, Kaiju no Takage monster lizard it's about a daughter her mother and they find like a giant egg with a monster lizard girl in it and she the, the little monster girl is going like i'm a monster i'm gonna eat you but everything she does is like a lizard to the point where her tail falls off oh and the, and the mom and the daughter and the mom and the daughter go like oh your tail fell off and the monster girl is going like yeah isn't that scary and it's like no it's like a lizard and the monster girl's like going, I'm a monster, not a lizard. And it's adorable. Hmm. 
It's like that uh, that one meme image of Bowsette where she goes, I'm going to be scary now. Cow. And then just a bunch of people from off panel go, aww. Uh, that's what it looks like. I'm sending a picture. Yeah. That's a, that's a very Digimon-esque art style. Uh, that, that artist has been just been pumping out stuff. Good for him. For her. Uh, actually, it's a... Um... This person's just been doing a bunch of stuff. Let's see. The main series they are known for is Karakai Juzo no uh, Takagi-san. Mm-hmm. It's that series where um, it's two middle schoolers, a guy and a girl, and the girl just teases the guy nonstop. Oh, yeah, you told me about that. Um, but it's very obviously very obvious that the girl really likes him, but the guy likes her, but he's a dense boy and doesn't realize it yet. Hmm. So it's really cute. And then there's a spinoff where they're adults and they have a kid. Hmm. Uh, and they're doing all that. And then there's a whole... he Like, this person's just cranking out solid fucking manga over and over and over again. Cool. Like, it's... He's a... Th- this person's a damn good creator. Nice. Uh, that's about it. All right. Well, uh, I read some more of fifty-two numbers, uh, seven through fourteen. It's uh, it's still a really, really solid book, and that's that's impressive for the fact that this came out every week for a year. Um, some of the plots are starting to intersect now. Uh, Black Adam. Uh, gave his girlfriend superpowers and she became Isis and now they're trying and now she's going like okay you gotta stop being a dipshit let's let's make your country actually good let's you're trying to make this global superpower of zero tolerance for supervillains let's let's try and do that in an actual good non supervillainy way he's like okay I guess so and then at the same time uh, Renee Montoya and Vic Sage are going to his country, which I'm only going to say it once because I've never been sure on how to pronounce it. I think it's called Kurak, but I could be wrong because it's spelled really weird because comics. Um, but they, they're going there to keep up with their investigation that's going on into Intergang potentially trying to take over Gotham City. Uh, after the shit that went down in the crisis book that this is following up on, that I can never remember which crisis book it is. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, I think that's all there is I wanted to comment on, because the the other stories is just not much, much this... Like, those are the two stories I really care about. The other ones are just kind of like, yeah, this is this is happening at the moment. Um, I'm sure they will get better. Oh! There was a dope ass issue about Superman where like there's a there's a new hero who has shown up in Metropolis in the wake of apparently Superman used up all of his powers during the crisis event and now he's just waiting to recharge so he can't be Superman. And so now he sucks at reporting and like Perry White hmm. fires him. He's like I don't know what magic spark you had. But it's gone, 
and you need to either go get it back or find another profession because I cannot have you on my staff being like this. This. And then Clark just, as Perry's handing him the termination papers, he just looks out Perry's office window and he sees this brand new hero flying by. And so he goes and jumps out Perry's window. Perry thinks he's trying to kill himself. And the hero catches him. Um, and he's like, hey, man, are you all right? You don't need to, you don't need to do that. It gets, it gets better, bro. It gets better. Or, and then Clark just whips out his pen and pad of paper and is like, Clark Kent, Daily Planet, let's talk. <laughs> That's perfect. I know. It's so good. Um, so that, that was a great scene. Uh, and also there's some shit going on with Steel where his niece, uh, he, he took her super suit away because he was like, you need to learn that you, you have to actually earn your powers and use them for, for good. And then Lex Luthor's like, hey, I figured out how to turn everybody into mutants. I mean, metahumans. Who wants to be a mutant? I mean, metahuman. And then she went and signed up for that program. And uh, now uh, Steel's all pissed about that. And he's making a new suit for her to try and get her back. And also there's some shit going on wrong with his um, biology that's turning him into actual stainless steel. And maybe Lufour did that to him. We don't know for sure. Uh, and also Ralph Dibney joined a cult to try and get his uh, dead wife back. That's a thing. Yeah. Uh, current comics I read this week, uh, Saban's Go-Go Power Rangers Forever Rangers number one, which is a one-shot basically wrapping up the story up till this point in Go-Go. Um, really solid. I felt the, the way Alpha five, Alpha One's story, um, ends is a bit rushed, but it's clear he'll come back eventually if Parrot's run continues beyond necessary evil. So I'm kind of okay with it. Uh, I'm a little butthurt that they kind of just nipped the whole Jason slash Trini thing in the bud, but the way they did it was very tasteful and made sense for a superhero book. Um, there's a fucking heart-wrenching scene where Rita reveals that the whole reason she summoned her mom's ghost was so that she could use someone with a ton of spiritual energy to reactivate the dragon coin, and she just sacrifices her mom. And not in the, like, um, I have to give up this thing to get this thing because I, and I love it and it's hard. She just does it in this dispassionate, I never fucking knew this woman, and she's trying to convert me back to good like a dumb bitch. Fuck you, kind of a way. And it's like, oh, oh, especially because for this whole arc up until this point, Rita's mom has just been practically begging and pleading with her. Like, I know you have a good person in you. I know you can be good. You don't have to do this. And it's like, I, li I liked you, Rita's mom, and we're probably never going to see you again. I'm real sad. But hey, if we look into the future of uh, Power Rangers, Rita does turn good and becomes the mother of magic. Yep. Also, it's cool continuity stuff. Uh, and uh, then um, everybody randomly changes their look to more line themselves up with what happened, what was going on in the Mighty Morphin book when it started, because now we're up to just before that, because um, Tommy's about to show up. 
And uh, yeah, the last page is basically a recreation of that opening karate tournament scene from Green with Evil, which was cool. Um, I, I'm really hoping they didn't do this just so they could jump ahead to have this book be happening at the same time as Necessary Evil. I really hope that what they're doing, because this is what I, this is what we thought they were doing at the announcement, but now that the next thing I'm going to talk about is out, it looks like it might not be that, but I'm hoping that the go-go part of Necessary Evil is just going to be the comic version of Green with Evil, because I feel like Ryan Parrott could do a really sick re remake of that story. Um, but we're going to have to wait another week or two to find out. Fingers crossed, though. Um, and then I read uh, MMPR number 40, The Proper Beginning of Necessary Evil, the new arc. Um, which, before I talk about anything else in this book, I had a really cool, completely random, awesome thing happen with it, where the first three pages are just the last three pages of Shattered Grid, just reminding us where this book was before it went and did Beyond the Grid, because... Nobody liked Beyond the Grid, and a lot of people, including myself, dropped the book during Beyond the Grid because it was stupid and boring. Um, and after those pages, there's a two-page spread of like this gray-on-white um, collage of image, vague images of the White Ranger, and then just necessary evil spread all across the page like a cool title page. And when I flip to that page... The fucking Undisputed Era theme came on in my music playlist. Like, <laughs> as I'm flipping the page, I get shock to the system as I'm reading the words Necessary Evil. And I was like, that is the most badass shit ever. I'm so glad that happened. Um, but uh, this book is not taking place directly after Shattered Grid. We've actually jumped ahead in time a good bit, or potentially this is the ramifications of the universe is getting slightly altered at the end of Shattered Grid. It's, it's hard to tell, but basically we are in season two now. Tommy is the White Ranger, Adam, Rocky, and Aisha are here, and Lord Mutterflippin' Zed is here. And... I was hyped to see that stuff because Lord knows me and a lot of other people are tired of MMPR season one and everybody loves themselves. Lord said, uh, everybody's got their, their own personal favorite out of the stone Canyon trio and like love or hate Tommy white Ranger saga is some fucking choice ass early power Rangers. So it's great to see all that. Uh, and it's mostly just establishing the situation we're in where Tommy is now, it's like right after the power transfer where kind of in the same way as the beginning of MMPR was right after Green with Evil um, of the, the other three have gone off to the peace conference and we actually get a scene towards the end where they're video chatting with them, which was, a, which was a cool, like, Hey, this book takes place in modern times. So we can do that now kind of a thing. And also, we don't have to get the actors back because we kind of pissed off the actors. But uh, we're making the best with what we got. Um, but Tommy is settling into his role as the leader, and he's clearly having a hard time with it, even though he's trying so hard to be Jason. Um, and that's probably going to be the lesson he learns at the end of this arc is um, Jason, Jason was Jason. I have to lead the way Tommy leads. 
is is clearly what this is going for, but there's a lot of tension between him, Kimberly, and Billy, and the Stone Canyon trio because they just joined, and they're having to catch up to the others' skill level real quick, and not too good at that, and uh, clearly there's some sort of friction going on between Aisha and Kimberly, um, which... I'm kind of torn about because on the one hand, it's like, well, they were always friends in the original show. Why wouldn't you just have them be friends? But on the other hand, it's like, well, clearly we're doing an arc that will get us to that character status quo. So I'm just hoping they do it well enough. Um, And then Zed has this freaking awesome speech after the opening fight scene where his monster gets destroyed, where Goldar and Finster are kind of just like, uh, so what are we going to do next, Master? Uh, you want to make a new monster or send down some putties? And he's like, no. Don't you guys get it? I came in to fix this operation. I guess I was just a little nice to have assumed that the stupidity was only contained to Rita. But apparently you guys like just doing the same thing over and over again, too. No. I'm not going to do that. I am not Rita Repulsa. I am Lord Mutterflippin' Zed. And I have a new plan. And his new plan is that he hires a, like, super dangerous alien assassin guy who is a red-skinned member of Doggy Kruger's race. Holy shit. Yeah, my jaw dropped when I saw that. And clearly him and Zed are old friends. Like, he, like when he gets him, he, he, like, buys him from this prison that he's currently being held in. And, and he, he gets let out of his cage, and he's like, hey, man, nice to see you. It was weird finding out that you were in prison, but I know someone like you would only intentionally go there. So I hope you don't mind being pulled off of a job. And he's like... Nah, Zed, I don't mind at all. I do think it's a bit weird that you're hiring me to kill a bunch of monkeys, but for an old friend, I guess I can do it on the cheap. And it's like, ooh, ooh, this guy's going to be a scary, badass motherfucker, and I'm excited. You know what I would love to see? What? A young doggy Kruger cop on the chase. That would be amazing. Like, this is what turns him into the grizzled veteran that we see in SPD. Mm. Or, no, it has to be what sets him on the path to being that, because the SPD gives an explanation of the reason he is that way. But you know because, what I mean? Like, this is this is the thing that, like, he's the young, idealistic cop. He thinks he's going to be doing the right thing, and then he comes in, and he's, like, the dick to the Mighty Morphin Rangers, and he's goes like, hey, you don't know shit out there. I know, and he has to learn that lesson, and he goes like, you know what? Rangers are a good idea. Maybe I'll keep that on the back burner. Yeah, he's like the blue centurion, but not a joke. That would be be interesting to see. Mm -hmm. And may I just quickly point out, American Doggy Kruger looks ten times better than Japanese Doggy Kruger. Yeah, uh... I was listening to a podcast. I won't say what podcast because I don't want to start a fight with anyone. But like, somebody was talking about like, oh yeah, I really want to get Lightning Collection Deca Master, and I'm gonna throw out that dumb American head because stupid lizard dog. And I, 
I literally was almost through my phone. I, I was so mad at hearing somebody say that because if you do not like Greg Horanowitz's work on SPD, you are not a decent human being, in my opinion. It, it looks ten times better than weird, fuzzy fucking... It's a fursuit. That's all the, fur, the, the Japanese doggy Kruger is, is a fursuit. Uh, anything else you read? Yeah. Um, Action Comics number 1012 or 1012, depending on how you want to pronounce numbers. Fucking, I don't know. Um, this is okay. It's basically just a kind of a, like, relaxed catch-up issue for a lot of the auxiliary cast. Also going, hey, Event Leviathan is happening. Um... And uh, there was a decent scene with Superman and Lois in the Fortress, but uh, other than that, not really that notable. Uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch number three, though, was pretty fucking choice. There's a, the, the, it picks up right off from the last issue where she's being dragged through the forest by a big weird uh, snake guy, and she managed to escape the snake guy for some clever spelling. And then she uh, runs into a trailer park and runs into the mean girl from her school and finds out, Oh, the mean girl lives in a trailer park and she's kind of nice when she's not at school. And Oh, uh, how am I going to get home? There's a weird monster outside. I might have to call my aunts. And then uh, mean girl's hot brother walks in and is like, uh, Hey, I'll give you a ride home on my motorcycle. And she literally has this inner monologue of like, is my life ever going to stop switching genres in the last five pages alone? We've gone from, horror film to um teenage comedy to 80s teenage fantasy what is going on can we at least stick on this one while she's like riding next to the sea in the sunset clutching onto this guy's back and i'm like oh this is this is exactly what i wanted from this book i'm so happy uh, and she gets home and there's some good banter between her and salem before she uh walks into the aunts and goes uh so this is what happened to me today. And they're just like, what the fuck? That's not good. We got to go talk to the witches council. You just, you go to your room and try to stay out of trouble for the rest of the night. Um, and uh, then we get another good scene with her in Salem. And uh, that's, I think there was something else that happened at the end, but I can't really remember it right now. It's good. I like this book a whole lot. Uh, Fucking Kelly Thompson and Veronica Fish were perfect picks for Sabrina the Teenage Witch. And uh, if you like any of the new style Archie stuff that's been happening since Mark Waite took over the book, this is this is the the Sabrina the Teenage Witch that I feel fits perfectly with that. Everybody should give this a try. Unless you're like a horror hound and you like chilling adventures of Sabrina, which I won't fault anybody for, but it's just not for me. Um... And then I read Stranger Things 6, numbers 1 and 2, because uh, I, I kind of overlooked this when it got announced, because um, I read the first Stranger Things licensed comic that came out, which was basically like, this is what Will went through in the Upside Down, and it was really boring and bland, and it also had like, Stan Lee levels of narration telling me what I could see happening on the panels. So it really ticked me off. And I was like, if this is what the Stranger Things comics are going to be like, I'm just going to stay far away from these. Uh, but then 
I saw a review for the first issue of this the other day, and I just, and it sounded pretty okay, so I said I'd check it out, and it is pretty okay. It's a prequel that takes place in the 70s uh, with a, another girl in the lab um, who has a psychic vision. She's, she's, a, she's a I can see the future, but I can't control what I see girl. And, I can see um, the future! Yeah, she's basically that so Raven, but she's a uh, red-haired white girl in the 70s. Um, so, you know, it's that kind of aesthetic. And there's another guy in the group who she may potentially like, but also he kind of tricked her into joining the program, so she's really mad at him right now. And there's a lot of really interesting flashbacks to her home life and how he was kind of her escape, and they kind of fell in love, but then it all obviously went wrong when she got entered into the program. Um, and uh, Dr. Brenner is there, being Dr. Brenner. He's pretty creepy, but also he's trying to be nice to everybody, and it's it's a really interesting dichotomy. It's, 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 it's like, you're, you're the fucky guy. I don't like you. But he's just going, he's just being like nice dad guy to all these children and just going like, all right, you can play for another 10 minutes, but then we need to test you. And I'm like, I don't trust you, motherfucker. I know what you fucking did. I know what you're going to fucking do. Don't fucking touch these kids. And uh, they, there is a scene where we see Eleven in one of her early tests. Uh, we, we, we are already doing that in issue two. But uh, I... I don't know how much of that there's actually going to be because I get the sense that this is very much just about these two characters and it just takes place at the same time as this. It's kind of like a Rogue One type deal uh, where these two are probably going to make it out okay from the whole disaster that happens at the lab. Um, but there's no telling and obviously they'll never show up in the actual show. But that's fine because it's, a, it's an okay thing. Um, so if you like Stranger Things, I would recommend checking that out. And then I read the uh, the first three issues of the current Thanos mini that's going on, and holy shit, that's so good. Um, it's basically early days Thanos um, finding, uh, trying trying to get Death to notice him. He needs Death Senpai to notice him. And then when he's invade, and he's got a big beef with the Magus going on. And uh, while he's doing something to try and piss off the Magus, it's uh, revealed that, oh, the planet he's attacking is Gamora's planet. This is Gamora's origin story. There's a little baby Gamora. Oh, no! And then uh, the next issue is like the crew going, Captain's gotten soft. He's got a daughter. He's, he's, he's being all nice and shit and fucking this isn't the Thanos we knew meanwhile he's doing all this fucked up shit to this poor little girl and she's trying to be a scrappy badass through it all and it's like I, I'm really enjoying this family dynamic but also I feel incredibly guilty for enjoying it um, so yeah definitely do read that especially if you like uh movie Gamora and you've wanted to see what comic Gamora is like, I feel like this is a really good introduction from her because from, from what I understand, this isn't like retelling and expanding on the backstory. We've 
never actually shown this happening in Marvel continuity. We've talked about it. It's a known fact that Gamora's the daughter of Thanos and her and Nebula grew up together and all, all this fucked up shit happened to them. But we've never actually seen it told. And that is what this is doing. So it's some nice, nice gap filling. And I feel like it might be a good entry point for the comic versions of these characters. And quite honestly, um, I... I don't dislike movie Thanos, but I am finding comic Thanos to be so much more engaging than even he was in Infinity War, because I understand there's been some changes and additions to his characters uh, to his character since then. And also, I said Infinity War, I meant to say Infinity Gauntlet, because that's the other thing I've read comic Thanos in. Um, but yeah, that's really good. And then I read uh, the Spider-Man Annual that just came out this week, which is a Spider-Ham story. To tie in with the fact that Into the Spider-Verse is about to come out on Netflix. Because uh, they introduce a rogues gallery for him that is just animal pun versions of Marvel villains. And his sidekick, Spider-Gwen. Which hmm. is Gwen Stacy, but she was a spider that got bit by a radioactive penguin. So now she's oh. a penguin version of Spider-Gwen fucking shit. I'm done. Spider I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Fuck that. <laughs> fucking hell. Fuck me. Why? 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 Because why? Because puns, that's why. Bitch. <laughs> uh, I really liked it. It was really cute and funny, and there's not much else to say besides that. It's, it's basically uh, this, the story of establishing a, 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 a actual universe for Spider-Ham and the fact that... Uh, he, he loses his mojo for a little bit, but then he gets back in the groove by beating up all his villains. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's nice, it's good. It's clearly, like, baiting, tr testing the waters to see if there's interest in a Spider-Ham ongoing. And based on this, yes, I would read a Spider-Ham ongoing. Um, but uh, that's all the stuff I read this week. Chris, did you play anything this week? Uh, I finished Legend of Zelda. Way Link Between Worlds. Finished that up. Uh, beat the final boss. It was hella fun. Nice. Uh, it was really. It, it was, and it was like, it gave me feelings because everybody was kind of like, "We believe in you," and it's like, I needed that in my life right now. Thank you. <laughs> um, I also so I started up a. To, to work on another game I've been playing, Etrian Odyssey Untold. I've never heard of that. Uh, the Etrian Odyssey series is a JRPG made by Atlas, the same <laughs> people who made Persona and Shimagami Tensei and all that stuff. Basically, you go around the dungeon and you fight monsters. But here's the difference. You don't have a map. You can't buy a map. You have to draw your own map. Oh, shit. 
and you're in labyrinths. You're are you are in twisty turny mazes. That's interesting. And you have to draw your map, so you have to be really good at cartography while you're yeah. finding monsters and worrying about resources. And all the while, there are giant monsters that will fuck your shit up roaming the field. Hmm. Um, but see, Etrian Odyssey Untold is actually a remake of the original Etrian Odyssey for the DS. And in Untold series, they add a more concrete story mode with characters which I like a little bit better for an Etrian Odyssey game just because it gives me something I can hook onto while I'm drawing my maps other than uh, rather than just the maps itself being the draw it, it gives me a little bit more meat for the bone hmm. uh, and another game I've been playing I've been playing uh, Citus 2 Citus uh, 2. Sounds uh, like it should be familiar. Uh, Citus is a rhythm game from iPhone and Android, uh, and it got a sequel starring Hatsune Miku. Ah, okay. Uh, not really. Um, basically, you know, you've played rhythm games, haven't you? I have been known to partake on the occasion. Um, so here's the base concept. You put, you poke, you poke buttons as you, the song plays and Citus two, it takes place in a virtual internet society and you play as several pop stars and musicians making music and releasing it to the public all the while, a bunch of mystery stuff is just going on. Like, you play as a robot, and he's reposting. Like, And there's also a virtual social network on the thing that gives you more. And he's, like, posting, hey, here's AI shit. And everybody's going, like, hey, robot, you're so cool. And, like, each of the characters you can play have, like, little unique quirks to their play style. Like, uh, one of them... The way you play it, there's a line bouncing between two things in time with the music. So yeah. sometimes it can get a little weird to hit a notes, and you have to be good at hand-eye coordination. Uh, and it's just ways to do it, and it's interesting. Um, the one thing I kind of am not the... I understand, but I'm not the biggest fan of is essentially... Uh, you are given four characters for free. And it's a free game to download from this uh, app store. So you have, and each character has about like 25 songs. So you're getting a hundred songs to play for free. Nice. That's a good deal. But including Miku, which is a limited time thing. Yeah. You have to like next year to buy her. Oh, you have one. Basically, you have till the license runs out. Kind, but like you have till next year to buy her. But that's Miku. You also have a guy called Zeon, Connor, Cherry, Joe, Aroma, Nora, and Neku. Uh, not Neku, Nico. And each of those characters are nine ninety nine. 
So it's $9.99 to get the rest uh, for every single individual character to get the rest of the songs in the game. Now, it's not that big a deal because you have already 100 songs. So it's kind of like, I understand, but I also like wish it wasn't that way. You know what I'm saying? I wish there was a way. I wish it wasn't so obvious that they were wanting a lot of money. Yeah. But it's a really fun game. I've been really enjoying it. That's cool. Yeah. All right. Well, I, uh, for probably the first time on this segment, I don't have any toys to talk about this week, but I did play this sick, dope new game that probably a lot of people haven't heard about before. It's not really popular among today's generation. It's uh it's 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 a VR title. It's called Jogging in the Park. It's uh it's by this new studio called Real Boys Productions. And uh it's 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 a really great simulation of you know, you just you go to your local park and you put on some workout clothes and you stretch and you, you jog around the trail. You jog around the trail and you see all these these fucking these middle-aged white dudes who are trying to stay in shape and these these couples who are just doing this as a way to hang out and have a cheap date and and these these older older black ladies who are all doing this as the way to keep up with the girlfriends and and occasionally you'll spot like some people just hanging out on the trail doing something random like trying to learn how to skateboard or um juggling or a couple having a picnic date and it's it's fucking awesome it's a great way to to get some exercise it's got amazing graphics so you you really get in the full spectrum of what nature has to offer, and uh, it's uh, it's just it really restores your faith in humanity. And hey, you get some exercise while you're at it. So guys, I I really recommend this game. Um, unfortunately, the only way you can actually get a hold of it is by going to the the gift shop at your local park. So uh, I'd recommend uh, just going out. Hopping in the car next free afternoon you got and go down to the go down to the park and play some jogging in the park. It's it's really cool. Nice. I didn't know how else to work that into the podcast, but I started doing that this week and it was it was really fun and I'm definitely gonna keep up with it. Anyways, I think that about does it for this episode. Uh Chris, why don't you tell everybody where they can find your shit. First off, I would also like to apologize for a joke I made earlier. It, it's fine to be it's fine to be a more butch lesbian. I it was I don't know why why I said that. I just want to say that real quick. It was I, a I don't know. I felt I, it was eating me up a little bit. I just okay. want to apologize just in general. All right, good on you for covering your ass and getting getting that off your chest, feeling better. But yeah. But while I'm at it, uh, I'm Chris Boingo Ridercast, and you can find me on YouTube. <laughs> I do video editorials on a bunch of dumb shit. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Boingo underscore Rider. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Boingo underscore Rider. And you can find me on my Discord channel. Link to that is in the description. All right. Well, I am Simeon Scott, but I'm better known to the net as The Vacuuminator, or Vac for short. Uh, I've made all kinds of shit from all kinds of times and periods of my career. I've reinvented myself tons of times and 
split off my channels and now I'm currently reuniting all my channels. So there's a shit ton of reuploads scheduled to go up on my channel right now. But hey, that gives you a great opportunity to check out some of my uh, my older content and uh, see if it's for you. So maybe drop in for one of those uh, those premieres I got set to, to go on. Uh, you can find all of those at youtube.com slash creator slash the vacuuminator. Um, I'm also on the social medias. So if you want to hang out and talk to me and see what I'm thinking about and doing, what I'm thinking about and when I'm doing it, uh, follow me on Twitter. It's at the vacuuminator. Did I put an underscore on that new username? I'm still not used to these because I've just changed it back. No, it's just at the vacuuminator, one word. And you can follow me on Instagram, which is also at the Vacuuminator. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it for me. So, hey, guess what? This is a podcast. You're listening to it. But if you want to listen to more episodes of this podcast, hey, I'd recommend subscribing to the Modular Media channel by clicking that button down below. You can also listen to the podcast on the go by downloading an MP3 of it from the Google Drive folder, which is linked down in the video description. You want to stay up to date on when the podcast is coming out and what's going on with it and other stuff, go follow us on Twitter at The Modular Media and uh, join our subreddit, r slash modular media. We do shit there occasionally. But that is it for this episode. So we will see you next time on the Analytical Fanboys podcast when we will be discussing... Database Rangers Power Reviews Year 2! Alrighty. It's time to fucking catch up, bro, because uh, I think after we do this one, since Year 3 is still not over, I'm just gonna, you can just catch up, and then when Year 3 ends, we can do the podcast on it. Alright. Alright. And it is episodes 53 to 80 for anyone who wants to watch along with us. So, until next time, I'm a fucking sword boy, and that's a fucking skelly man, and... Bon Kai. Exactly. Bon... Bye! <laughs> Appreciation